right, that music will tell you. It's another start to uh, golf's most uh, esoteric podcast. Swing Thoughts. I'm golf spiritual leader, Humble Howard from the Humble and Fred Show. Tim O'Connor's here, O'ConnorGolf.ca. And if you're uh, looking at this on uh, line, you can already see the beautiful face of Charles Aloysius Fitzsimmons. We'll get to him in a second. Hey, how cool is this? The uh, the Canadian, is it the Canadian Mid-Am champion is with us? <clears throat> it's a lot of pressure, Tim. Gracing us with his presence. Yeah, we'll get to him in a second. First, uh, always good to be with you, sir. Uh, looking resplendent, as usual, in your clothing from JWApparelInc.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, what brand is that? Uh, let me let me see if I can guess. Is that Fairway and Green or is that B-Dratty? Is that B-Dratty you're wearing? B-Dratty. That's my boy. And my wife told me it's medium blue. Okay. I just like the fact that you and I, our combined ages is like 180, and we're rolling up in some B-Dratty, yo. What's up? Zero restriction, EPNY, garb, and so much more. And, of course, the Royal Albatross Golf Shoes. Find out more at jwapparelinc.com. And, of course, uh, TaylorMadeGolf.ca. Uh, James Dees from TaylorMade will join us after Charles. Today we're going to talk about the new 790s, which you and I uh, did not get a chance to see, but everyone is talking about that. The uh, new uh, clubs that both of us play, but also some milled grind, milled grind wedges. Uh, we're going to get a little geeky on the equipment with uh, James in about uh, 25 minutes. So all you uh, STDs, that's Charles, that we, that's what I call swing thoughts devotees. The people that follow us are STDs. And now speaking, and now speaking of STDs. Remember that time we were roommates in Regina? (laughs) (laughs) And you scared the Jesus out of my girlfriend? (laughs) Did I do what? What? Okay. Oh, that's right. That's right. We got to hear this story. Okay. You know, I was was just kidding. Okay. (laughs) Howard introduced himself in a very uh, hilarious way to my uh, (laughs) then, you know, not quite girlfriend. uh, New paramour. (laughs) As she came to caddy for me as we were just starting to date. <laughs> well, come on, you're not, you're not, you're not okay? So what I said was, story. I said, oh, you I said, started, you've gone down the road, Charles, you've got to finish well, it. Well, I'll tell you what, do, do you want to tell your version or should I tell, should I tell the truth? You tell, you tell the truth. I just oh, said, okay. I said, nice to me, because I had, you know, known, I, I knew that he was dating this new uh, person, very lovely. I said, nice to meet you. I said, Charles is a great guy. I said, he's got some old school gonorrhea. I said, that shouldn't be a deal. <laughs> I said, let's not. Don't let that be a deal breaker. I said, I thought, he, it, I thought it was syphilis. Oh, syphilis, right? I, I you know, so syphilis, gonorrhea, whatever. Yeah. Whatever. <clears throat> uh, listen, that that was actually. Um, so you and I, I think we were roommates at the seventeen Midam, and we hung out at the eighteen Midam in Victoria. And I just told Tim, I said, oh, by the way, Charles is coming on here uh, to talk a little bit about this NeuroPeak Pro uh, stuff. But I said he just won. The Canadian Midam, and Timmy said, "Yes, that's right, golf club." Thank you. And, and Tim said, "How did I not don't know that?" I said, "I don't know. I didn't even know it, but I sort of had forgotten that you were up in Fort McMurray, which is where it was played." So, wow! First of all, congratulations! You've now won the Ontario Midam, I believe. Yep. And the Canadian Midam, and your Wagger 
I'm not sure if you know that acronym, nerds, but your Wegger rating is what? That's World Amateur Golf Rating. Uh, yes, it's now somewhere up in the 600s. So, is it really? Uh, that, that, that made a pretty big jump. I, I jumped up about 800 spots with that, uh, that win. So. Well, you and I talked the other day. I said, what? Because we were talking about your ranking. And at the time I spoke to you, you were in the 1200s or 1300s, by the way, in the world. And, um, and so a win like that, you didn't think it was going to jump up as much, but I guess it did. It did. I was I was pleasantly surprised. Um, so super super pumped about that. I, I got all the way up to number three hundred or three hundred and one uh, before COVID hit when I was able to travel a little bit more. So that's still a goal because around there you start to get into some bigger tournaments. So um, that's still the goal, kind of moving forward. Well, there you go, Tim. The well, six hundred ranked amateur on planet Earth, on, gracing us with his presence on I'm, our podcast. Yeah, and yeah. remember, he did that while also having gonorrhea and syphilis. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I'm actually disease-free, thankfully. Yeah. Um, For you comedy no, I, I, nerds, that's called a callback. <laughs> um, so, Charles, I, I, t- what's that? I, hear, I was just going to say, apparently there's been a huge outbreak of syphilis in, in Alberta, so uh, people are having a little fun out there. <laughs> oh, are they? Yeah. Right. That's, I tell you what, or syphilis <laughs> is the least of their worries in Alberta. <laughs> so, Charles, we, we wanted to talk a little bit about this breathing program that you introduced me to, and that's going to be a longer conversation. But I want you to do two things, and we're going to give the mic to you now. Talk a little bit about how breathing impacts golf, and then talk how your breathing impacted your ability to stay present and to uh, prevail over a, a big-time golf tournament. Yeah, so, I mean, without going into to cra- crazy detail, because, again, we're going to have the guys from NeuroPeak Pro come on another time and, and have a great chat that way, which I'm, I'm really excited for, because it, it's been world-changing for me. But, you know, the the... Everyone kind of laughs when I'm like, oh, I just, I was breathing. And it's like, don't we all just breathe normally? Isn't that what we're just kind of supposed to do to be alive? So, you know, it, it really does so much more than that. Um, there's kind of two sides of it that I really, you know, like to, to kind of talk to people about. One is kind of the uh, arousal side. So it's specifically about the physiological arousal of your body and how your body either gets into that fight or flight state, you know, that, that, that all kind of mammals and all animals tend to get into when we're threatened with something and when we have to decide whether we're going to fight that threat or flight, whether we're going to run away from it. Uh, and, and that fight or flight state can be really, really challenging to golf. Um, it's hard to play your best when you're in survival mode, when you feel like you're literally being chased by bears. Ironically and coincidentally, there were a large number of black bears around the golf course in Fort McMurray, which was a whole other story. No, I know. And, and strangely enough, they also had an STD. Keep going. <laughs> exactly. Another exactly. callback. It's another callback. Yeah. <laughs> that is going to be a theme. So keep going. Anyway, because um, I, I, I love what you're saying, that, that in that state, and we've all been there, it's hard to play golf when you feel threatened. Yeah, it's, it's really, really challenging. And so there's a specific breathing technique that's aimed uh, to create balance between the sympathetic nervous system, which is what creates that fight or flight state, and the parasympathetic, which is telling you to kind of rest and digest. So it creates a really nice balance between those two. And that's supposed to help you be able to stay calm and stay focused under that pressure and make you more resilient to stress. So uh, the breathing is really important on that control side of helping you to stay calm and focused. Uh, but then there's the other kind of cool side that you can use it for as well, which is almost in the meditative sense to fully engage in the moment, to be accepting of your thoughts and feelings and to re-engage with what's going on right here, right now in kind of that, that mindfulness meditative practice. And so 
breathing is really cool because it can kind of do both of these things simultaneously and, and be really, really powerful because as you know, it's so critical to be in the moment to hit a great shot. You know, we, we talk about the average person being able to be totally present for 12 seconds on average. Well, if we can kind of lengthen that out and teach them to, to engage with that on a consistent basis, there's, there's no doubt in my mind that that enhanced focus is going to help them to play better golf. That's so cool because, uh, I do, uh, a webinar uh, that largely focuses on mindfulness and golf. And one of the things I address is that you hear constantly, whether it be Jim Nance or whomever on golf saying about being present. And I would argue most people don't even know what it means. <laughs> yeah. They have no idea. And then they hear about breathing go, Oh my God, that again. But what to me, I just want to get you to bounce off this is that the connection I use is that the body is always in the present moment. So when we breathe, we're present. And that allows us to become aware, oh, I'm carrying a lot of tension or the thoughts. But yeah, just speak to me. Just Do you connect with that in terms of using the body as an ally to be present through breathing? Yeah, it's your, it's your senses, basically. And anything you can sense uh, is going on in the present moment, right? Uh, it's, it's really only our thoughts uh, and the resulting emotions that can kind of get too far away from that present, right? Um, they can go into the, the future or they can go into the past. Um, but our experience of them is weirdly in the present, even if they are about the, 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 the past or the future. So, um, yeah, the more you can engage with those senses, whether you know whether the bodily senses or, again, awareness of your thoughts and your emotions, all those things can be happening in the moment. And, and that can be really important. So the limited um, introduction that I got to NeuroPeak and the discussions you and I have had, and then I watched Charles do some brain training. Uh, when he visited me uh, a little while ago. And it's interesting because whereas, you know, we've talked a lot about meditation. Uh, we all meditate on this program. But during what, the program? Yeah, or? I usually, just <laughs> usually when I'm speaking, I'm also meditating. But, uh, but there's a different kind of training for your brain that NeuroPeak does. But for the lay person listening... Just give us kind of the, the just the fundamentals, the table stakes as far as NeuroPeak and, and maybe helping to breathe this weekend on the golf course for somebody listening. Yeah, so I mean, the again, without going into too much deal, detail of the NeuroPeak Pro stuff, basically what they're doing is they're training you to be more focused. And they're giving you a very specific reward paradigm. So basically you're watching videos while hooked up to an EEG band, which just tracks your brainwaves. And when your brainwaves are in the right state, the video plays. And when they aren't, the video turns off. Right. So there's a very clear reward for your brain to stay calm and focused. You know, to, 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 to Tim's point about being totally present, you know, you think about something like we do all the time, like, say, driving. You know, a lot of people drive all the time. And when they're driving, they're so rarely totally present. They're actually their mind is somewhere totally else. And they're just kind of in autopilot. Well, being totally present in that moment would be kind of feeling the steering wheel really hearing the music, seeing kind of what's going on around you, all things that are probably good from a safety perspective. Yeah, I'd say. <laughs> when driving. <laughs> no. So it's, it's, it's creating that awareness, not to say that you can't have thoughts, because you're always going to have thoughts. So it's not about blocking out or eliminating thoughts. It's about being able to be aware of when they take some part of that attention and then directing that attention back to, you know, the task at hand and those critical senses that Tim was talking about earlier to, to really re-engage with that. And moment. Tim, you were giggling about something there. What was that? 
Well, I was thinking, like, what kind of videos are being shown? Easy really- now. Come on, Tim. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to engage in the callbacks thing, okay? All right. You get your own callbacks, okay, pal? Um, but, you know, what I think it's interesting, though, no, no, but, Timmy, I was going to say, what, what I got yeah. to see Charles do, and I had a little bit of introduction myself, when, when I meditate, when anyone meditates, part of the skill is to learn when the thoughts are, are taking you away to bring them back to the present and breathe. What were you going to say, Timmy? Well, I was going to say that the key to awareness, why it's such an important skill in golf is that so often I'll use myself as an example. I'm not aware that I've got a death grip on the club and that, you know, I might have thoughts going on through my head. Oh, I'm this many over. I hope I can get, you know, to the 18th hole and shoot 76 today. That being unaware of that, of, being really tense, being kind of in this emotional volatile place because of the thoughts, that's not going to help me hit a good golf shot because I'm not present. So to me, that's the value of of this. And so is, is that kind of how you see it too as well, Charles, is kind of like an awareness tool? Yeah, 100%. For the record, I'm watching TED Talks. Uh, when I'm, when <laughs> Are I'm you? Doing them. Is that is that your category? <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes, that's for the record. Um, because you know, if I'm 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 watching these videos, why not enlighten myself with some some really cool speakers? Yeah. Um, and also, I find them very engaging. But yeah, th- there's no doubt it creates an awareness, and you know, there, there's an overlap where you can do the breathing training while you're doing the brain training, and actually they use it as a focusing tool. And the great part, again, going back to the control part, you know, you talked about that death grip that we can get when we're kind of a little bit too intense. Well, part of the challenge is when we're in that fight or flight state, we kind of lose awareness of our hands. We lose feeling in our hands. And so that breathing and kind of keeping yourself calm makes it even easier to generate that awareness of that that grip pressure. So there's a a really awesome kind of confluence of things that all of the the training does that way. Uh, And and you and I have talked about breathing over the the last few years about taking some cleansing breaths. And I was sharing with Tim a little technique that I learned about, you know, taking a breath and exhaling just before I hit. But so talk a little bit in the few minutes we have today. So breathing and how it connects to uh, your parasympathetic and and such. And how did it help you, do you find, uh, in competition, especially in a big tournament that you just won? Yeah, so let's just dial in really into the, the, the fun stuff here in terms of the tournament experience. And, you know, I think something that everybody's familiar with at some point, especially if they've played tournament golf, which was the back nine of my third round, which was... This uh, is your final round? No, my third round. Oh, your bad round. This is my bad round yes. where I had an, oh my God, is this really happening moment? Um, and I was definitely in fight or flight mode. And uh, it, it was challenging. It was really, really challenging. I was in full control. I was one under par through 10 on a tough golf course. You know, I was three under par for the tournament. I think I had, you know, a four shot lead and I was just in full cruise mode and total control. And I make a quick bogey on 11, make one bad swing and make a quick triple on 12, Mm. have a couple of three putts on 14 and 15. And all of a sudden, you know, the other guy made a couple of birdies and I just was just like, what the hell just happened? And it happened so quickly. And, you know, I was trying to engage. I was trying to do the right kinds of things, but I was just totally in that fight or flight mode and and couldn't get it back until the 16th green. I had blown another tee shot right. I mean, I missed the fairway by about four yards, but that's how tight this golf course was. This was in a tree that I had to take an unplayable out of. Mm. Um, And I finally had a second on the green at, at 16 to take a second and just breathe. 
And I did an exercise called 10 mindful breaths, which is just, you know, you take 10 fully engaged breaths just to really come back to that moment. And it's something I usually do a lot of during tournaments, but, um, you know, just in the panic of that back nine while everything was happening, um, I got away from it. And so I, I had that second, or I guess it takes about a minute and a half when you're doing the, the NeuroPeak Pro kind of 10 second breaths. Um, I was able to, you know, take that time, fully engage with that moment and just kind of come back. And, you know, I lift out a, a, a putt for, for bogey. So I made, I still made a double on the hole, but it, it gave me that, okay, I'm, I'm back. I'm here. I can be re-engaged. I finished with a par, made a birdie on 18 and then said, okay, you know what? I really need to re-engage with this as I go into the final round. I went and did my training after the round in terms of the NeuroPeak Pro stuff. And, you know, that was a big focus going into the last round. And obviously it had some, some positive effects. So Tim, jump in there and then I'll, I'll yeah. talk more about the final round after. Well, what I love about that is that you were able to be aware of, okay, I'm, I'm in a spin here. I'm spiraling out of control. Exactly. And for our listeners, where often they're going to go is, you know, what am I doing wrong with my swing? That kind of thing. Whereas what you did was you just connected and allowed yourself to just get grounded and settle and come back to present moment and get yourself out of that which is a very different thing. And, and it's not the place where people generally go when they struggle. So no. I, they, I just they actually love that. Get, they actually get worse when they struggle. Absolutely. And I would just say, jumping in, that if a, if a top-level, you know, plus handicap can go through what you just described, those three or four holes of a triple, a couple of bogeys and a double, and then it's, it's, I think it's good for anyone to hear that because it can happen to all of us. 100%. Although, absolutely. although if I were caddying for you using decade, if I was, uh, there's, there's just no way that on the way to that triple, I couldn't have figured out a way to get you a double. But that's a different story. So anyway, in the last round, you're back to, you, you, you were uh, back to sort of normal. You're having a normal day. And what happened? Uh... Well, let me just finish off the point about that that triple for a second, Howard. Just, just oh, I, to, there is no. Just, we're not talking about the triple. You just, there's well, no just, way you it, can make a triple bogey. It's Go a ahead. funny joke, right? If you lose a ball off the tee, it's a funny joke. How'd you make triple? I missed the oh, putt right. for double. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, exactly. That's true. <laughs> that is true. You made really but, you made a bogey with your second ball. Yeah, I yeah mean, I it know. wasn't. It wasn't that. Anyway, it's not here nor there. So the point was going into the last round. I really wanted to make sure I was engaged with my breathing. You know, I was only one shot at a second place, even though I was five shots at a first. Um, it's always hard. It's, it's a difficult golf course. It's hard to close a national championship. I thought, you know, if I can have a really good round, put a little pressure on the leaders, you never know what can happen. And so I just wanted to go out there and to me, just be totally engaged with each shot and really be engaged with my breathing because I knew, especially if I got off to a good start, uh, you know, some of those thoughts would start to pop back up. Okay, cool. I'm making a move. What's what are the leaders doing? You know, where am I in the tournament? All those kind of things. I knew that would pop up, and I knew that adrenaline and that nervousness and that excitement would get flowing. So, I just made a commitment to myself to be totally engaged with my breath all day. And you know, I was so engaged, probably the most of it of any tournament I've I've played this year. Maybe the Ontario match play was the kind of closest where I, I played really well there as well. And Which you won, by the place. way. Them three people keeping Which, track. He also won the Ontario match play. Which I may have also won. <laughs> yeah. um, I, won and, men, I won men's night a couple of weeks ago. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, and, and I haven't, actually. <laughs> it, 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 it just helped me to really stay you know, calm and focused and stay in that moment, even when I started to make some birdies and started to play well. And 
you know, it was it was exciting to to get some of those birdies and get things rolling. And when did you know that you had? When did you know on the round that you had maybe tied or overtaken or were getting close to the leaders? I I got to four under through nine, and Mm. the leader was at one under starting the round. Were you playing with the leader? I wasn't. I was in the second group. Okay. Um, so I got to four under through nine on the round, which got me back to even par for the tournament. I knew that had to have been close. Um, you know, the course just wasn't giving up a lot of birdies. Uh, I played with the leader in the third round. Really, really good guy. Really good player. But he was playing the course quite conservatively. And so I knew he wasn't going to be making a, a ton of birdies. So I, I knew I had to have been close. We actually had a rain delay on the 11th hole or a lightning delay on the 11th hole. Um, at that point, I found out I was actually in the lead by a, a shot or two. So that was actually one of the most difficult moments because we had this rain delay. When I had a rain delay at the Ontario Amateur, my back tightened up. I didn't mm. engage with my breathing, and everything went horribly wrong. So, of course, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, my God, we're having another rain delay. I'm in the lead, and, you know, things start spiraling. But I was able to, again, catch it. And, you know, I took the nice walk back to the to the course when we uh, – back to the hole when we finished the rain delay and really used that to as a kind of meditative walk where I was really engaged with my breathing, feeling the steps, you know, smelling the air, and just really engaging – in that moment as I got back out there and, and was able to kind of continue to manage it and, and actually play one under the rest of the way from there. You know, oh, I think so cool. I think people listening, it's a great lesson that, you know, it's funny, you know, lots of guys will say, Hey, you know, you know, smell the air, you know, look at, look around. It's, it's easy to do when, when you're playing well, but it's a hard thing to make yourself uh, do when you're in a stressful situation, wherever that is. But that's why golf's so difficult for a lot of people like us, that it uh, gives you time to have all these thoughts and to ruminate as you're walking back to continue a, 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 you know, a round of significance. Yeah, and I just want to make a really quick comment. A lot of people assume that, say, PGA, LPGA Tour players, or a guy like Charles who's a PhD you know, in, in performance and sports psychology, is blissed out. They never have. No. People like Charles, every, they all have the same whacked out thoughts. Yeah. But you he have. He does especially, let me tell you. Is this the callback again? No. No, it's a different um, it, call, it, You can't keep going callback because then it ruins the callback. Sorry, I'm just God an amateur of this stuff. I'm so tired of working with you. But you have you. processes to I'm work so through. That's the point. I'm tired of working with you 10 handicaps. Yeah, 10 yeah. handicaps. Yeah, but, but, anyway. Oh, 10 handicap broadcast? That's not actually bad. not bad. You're, you're, getting, you're getting close to single digit. But that's the that's the point I like to make, though, Tim, is yeah. to say that, you know, every, you know, I've had clients who be like, OK, when am I going to figure this stuff out? When am I going to master? And it's like, listen, never, because we're never. it's it's an ongoing journey. Yeah, you're going to get better at it. But it, we're human beings. Golf is about mastering us as humans. Yes, there's a technique. Yes, there's all that kind of stuff. But it's so much more about working through us as humans. And that's an ongoing thing. You yeah. can't just figure that out. So no matter who you are, you're always going to have those challenges. And I, I, I like to share those stories because it helps to, to help people realize that everybody goes through those. And it's about how you manage them and how you deal with them rather than trying to avoid or eliminate them. Well, Tim makes a good point, whether you're watching a tour player. And, and trust me, when you're watching Bryson DeChambeau and Patrick Cantley in that playoff last week, that was an amazing display of oh high-level golf under pressure. But trust me. You know, having played at a decent level, you're you're sucking air. Those guys were doing everything they could to make sure they were present. But but back to the original point of, you know, having NeuroPeak and NeuroPeak Pro people on the show and talking to Charles about this is that it's an ongoing, you know, uh, process. 
And uh, just um, we, now, here's what I would say because we got to let you go. Well, in a moment, is, is James standing by? James has entered the. Okay, so just room. tell him. This is what I do sometimes with humble and friend. Just t- tell him to stand by for five minutes. We'll wrap up, Charles. Okay. Can you and do I that? Tell him how to do that. Just go chat. to message. Oh right. Okay. Oh, in the just chat. message him. Yes. Is he already? There? So he'd already be there. So you go just go to the chat. Just go to the side there, and uh, you just say stand by. As a uh, as a side note, nothing to do with TaylorMade. Bryson DeChambeau is a NeuroPeak Pro client. Oh, now you're admitting James, so that's different. <laughs> okay, well we'll wrap up. Hey, James, just James, just hang on for five minutes. James, can you hear us? You, you bet. He gave you a thumbs up. Okay, yep. pal. Oh, there you go. Gotcha. Um, that's James Dees from uh, TaylorMade. We're going to talk about the two, the new 790s here in a second. Just to wrap up, though, so, you know, Charles and I have played, you know, some tournament golf together and have uh, played together in tournaments as well. Uh, and then Monday, I just happened to be talking to Charles because I had found out you won. And then I was telling you I was excited to go play this qualifier on Tuesday. And then when I called you Tuesday after the qualifier... And I told you I had won or qualified. Uh, you said to me, I'm glad. <laughs> you said you were a little worried about me. Why is that, Charles? <laughs> well, there, you were just so filled with excitement and glee going into it that there was clearly a, a large weight of expectation that, that could have been on you. And I assume that you know that excitement would have brought you into that high arousal state. You right. know, maybe not quite into full survival fight or flight, but it definitely was going to... You know, be a, a, a different bit of a, a challenge for you beyond uh, y- your usual round. So I, you know, I, I kind of was uh, worried that there could have been, uh, yeah, some, some bumps along the way to your smooth uh, plan. Yeah, well. The fact is you're worried for your friend, Charles. That's <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. Enduring. Well, I, uh, I, I will talk about it maybe at the end of the show with Timmy a little bit more, but I was definitely... You know, you know, good play breeds kind of, you know, expectations, uh, you know, getting higher. And I've been playing pretty well for the last couple of summers in tournaments. And this one in particular, I just wanted to get by it. But, in, you know, Tim went through a qualifier recently. Qualifiers are tough because one of the hardest things to do in sport is to play good golf on the day you want to. Yeah. You know, there's the problem. And, and I think qualifiers, having played, I counted it up, Timmy, close to 20 between Canadian, Ontario, Mid-Am, and Amateur, and Senior. 20 of these tournaments, a lot of them. And qualifiers are harder than the tournaments because you only get one chance, as you just found out recently, Timmy. It's like, that was a pretty good round that Tim shot. Would have mostly qualified for you uh, swing thought people. He shot 79 on a course that I would have thought that would have gotten in, but it didn't. And dang it all, you have to wait a full year. And so I knew all that going into the qualifier, Charles. And I was like, God, I just want to just dink it around somehow. But I will tell you, there were many moments out there that I'm like, I don't know what the, I, I couldn't fathom how horribly I was hitting it. <laughs> I went from driver to three wood to hybrid. I was teeing off with four irons on the back nine. I was four ironing it. <laughs> I, I, I knew you would make those adjustments, Howard, so I did have, I did have confidence in you, uh, given, given your development from yeah. the tactical side of things recently, but, uh, and, and of course, your uh, spirituality. Oh, yes, of course. Thank you. He is the GSL. <laughs> exactly. I, I knew those things would, would help you get through it, but 
yeah, I, I suspected there would be some challenges along the way. So I was thrilled to hear that you, you managed all of those. I did. I managed them. In. I just made, I, think, I made 13 pars and five bogeys and then I shut my face and went to my car. Yeah, there's there's nothing harder than a one day qualifier. Oh, it's gr- it's sure, gross. So. It really is gross. Um, okay, Charles Fitzsimmons, Doctor Charles, thank you very much. We'll have Charles back uh, talking about NeuroPeak Pro. Congratulations on the mid am. Uh, you and I'll talk soon. Uh, the Canadian seniors are in a couple weeks. We need to manage expectations because now uh, I have different goals than I used to. Just, at least just be aware of them. All right. Okay. Thank you, Dr. Charles. Uh, Fitzsimmons, what, what is your, what is your, do, if people want to work with you, how do they do it? Yeah, they can find me at eclipseperformance.ca or give me a, a, an email at charles at eclipseperformance.ca. So I look forward to hearing from them and uh, thanks again for having me on. Always a pleasure, kid. Take care. Cheers, Take guys. care. Bye. I'll tell you why. Uh, I later when we when we wrap up, I, I got to tell you, and I only have a couple minutes after James, but the feeling in my hands that day, and and my golf swing, it was just so foreign to me this summer because uh, I've been on pretty much a, a fairly good staple. Um, I'll tell you what though, if I didn't have the seven nineties, I don't know what I would do. Hi, James. Good morning. How you doing? James Dees, everyone. James has been on our program before from TaylorMade Golf. Just remind everyone, what is your actual uh, title there? I am the product line manager and sort of jack of all trades, I guess. I love that. Uh, Tim and I were disappointed that we couldn't come and see, you know, our new golf clubs, the 790s. So I've been using mine. I have the second version of them. I think you do too, don't you, Timmy? I think so, yeah. 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 And uh, do I, yeah. So they were introduced three years ago. Uh, they were, people loved them, I think, James. And then the second version came out. What is different? Give us the, the history, the evolution of them, and then maybe tell, tell everyone where we're at now with the development of these irons. Yeah, so, so 790 started in 2017, um, and it was really the first player's distance iron. Um, and it was kind of revolutionary for us. Uh, 27, 2017 version. The 2019 version came out. Very similar design language. Didn't want to change a lot of it. There were a lot of people that didn't get a chance to experience that first generation. Uh, added some performance benefits and some consistency, some um, uh, a little bit more like a tighter dispersion in the 19 version. But 21 is really a chance for us to redesign it. And uh, the really, really avid golfers out there who may have had the original version are now looking to replace uh, it's that four to five year window to replace uh, to replace your irons. Uh, so there was there was an element of changing the design language. So the the design is very very clean and very classic now, and it also it also blends perfectly with the P seven seventy seven MC. So if you have a combo set, uh, it really looks like it's all part of the same family. Um, but from a performance element, uh, we have a new uh, new lower density speed foam. So it's called Speed Foam Air. Uh, what that does is it dampens the vibration. Uh, with, with a forged product, typically it's a one-piece construction, but in a hollow body iron, uh, there, there are multiple pieces there. So what you need to do is you dampen the vibration from that forged face, and it adds a little bit of support for that face too. So uh, we were able to thin out the face, create lower density speed foam, uh, hollow out a little bit more of the body. So there's a lot of weight savings there. And with those weight savings, uh, we added some tungsten, uh, lowered the center of gravity. And so really the, the biggest difference that you're going to see uh, from one to the other outside of the design element 
is is ball speed. So you're going to see about a mile an hour more ball speed, a little bit more peak height. Uh, and what that all translates to is a slightly larger sweet spot. And with the larger sweet spot, you're going to get tighter dispersion, a more consistent uh, performance uh, with each shot. Uh, and, and just, again, a little bit more distance with, with better uh, better dispersion characteristics is it's a win-win for I'd say. When a player puts one of those clubs down and looks, and like, so what does he see and what does he feel? So the nice thing as well is that because players have loved P790, as, as you alluded to earlier, uh, all the specs are the same. The top line width is the same. The blade length is the same. The lofts are all the same. So everything uh, from a spec package, it's really consistent with what that player has grown accustomed to and has fallen in love with, quite frankly. Uh, so when they set it down, uh, there's a slight, uh, you know, a slight uh, change in finish. There's a little bit more of a satin finish to this year's version. Um, but when they set it down, they're going to be very comfortable with what they'd seen in the past. And and from a, again, from a spec package, uh, they're going to see all those same characteristics that they've they've uh, known and grown to love with the original P790, but with just a little bit more performance and a, and a much cleaner design. You know, I I play at uh, I'm a Club Link member as is Tim. And um, so both of us have had the 790 since they were introduced. And I noticed the first year I had them, I, I, I saw a few people with them around my course, Timmy. I'm not sure about you. But the second year, and now this third year, it, it's like it's become, I think, uh, uh, um, how would I put this? I mean, I yes, I play with a lot of good players. It seems to be sort of the single-digit handicap player club of choice. Would that be fair? Yeah, I mean, originally this club was designed for the that mid handicap or uh, mid. Which is what do you consider so, a mid handicap? You know, high high single to low double digit. Okay. Um, so really, what it was is it's an aspirational uh, an aspirational club uh, with with obviously some of the lower handicap players and the longer irons wanting to to put that in for the extra distance. Um, but what we've seen is we've seen this this really wide uh, breadth of players who are looking to to play with this product. And there are some players who maybe don't get a lot of distance who are higher handicappers in that that high teens, even twenty handicappers using this product. And we got scratch players using this product. So it really hit a, a much wider range of player than was originally intended. Um, and again, it, it's a little bit for maybe the better player who just needs that little bit of extra distance. It's for the player who maybe used to be good. And it's still aspirational and can still appreciate the the feel and the performance of a Forge product. Uh, but it really captured a much, much wider range than we originally anticipated. Hmm. Or he's 64 years old. It <laughs> 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 needs, needs a little bit of help. But, you know, what's so cool about these clubs, I find, is that um, anyone who's played a lot of golf, and I would say is aspirational, as you described, when you put down the P790, it looks awesome. But the challenge with awesome-looking clubs is what was st- you know used to be what we'd call, like, say, a muscleback or a forged, is that looks great. I'm not good enough to hit them. <laughs> but these strike a wonderful balance in terms of delivering those performance aspects, and they just look and feel sweet. Yeah, and and it's it's exactly that. It's the combination of the two, and and from the original version to now as well. Like I said, they they've added that little bit of extra forgiveness and that consistency. And and I was a player who, who quite frankly saw a pretty significant difference from seventeen to nineteen uh, as we added a tungsten bar across the back. It created a little more again more consistency across the face, uh, and this just takes that to the next level. There's up to thirty one grams of tungsten, uh, depending on the iron now, um, and adding all that tungsten makes it easier to hit. 
We still have speed pocket. We still have inverted cone in these faces. So all the technologies that we've ha- uh, we've created and embraced over the years are all available in this. Uh, in addition to that, that new speed foam error. And I mean, you really just have to try it to, to appreciate it. Um, I, I can't, uh, we can't recommend it enough. Both of us have used them now for a couple of years and, um, and I'm looking forward to the new ones just because I, I have such great, uh, I, there's really very few things that sound and feel as good as when you hit that seven iron and you're like, wow, that was a lot longer than I expected. Uh, let's talk a little bit about wedges. I've been, uh, I didn't think I was going to like the high toes and I fell in love with them, but the milled grind, I have the milled in my uh, gap wedge. It's a dirty looking club. I have the dark, I have the, the, the dark finish. What's new now in milled grind wedges? And is that going to be what's going on uh, going forward? Yeah, so again, similar to what we see in P790, we, we keep those technologies that the people have come to know and embrace uh, and technologies that really work. So milled grind sole, uh, the raw face technology. And with MG3, uh, a couple of the big performance benefits that we see here are um, there's what we call a raised micro rib. So for those short shots around the green, the pitches, the chips, uh, uh, chips out of the rough, when you don't get enough speed to interact like get that urethane into the grooves. Um, we have this, this slight raise on the face as well. So on those short shots, you're still able to grab the ball a little bit more, get a little bit more spin around the greens on those the short chips and pitches. Um, but also, again, much like P790, I think the big thing that a lot of people are going to see here is the design. And last year, there uh, MG, uh, MG2, mm-hmm. it was a, there was a little sort of a notch with some polymer along the back. Uh, which which helped in performance benefits again helped us to move some weight around uh, but one of the pieces of feedback from the better player was they really just like a clean classic looking wedge and that's what this delivers uh, so the back is very clean uh, it's a very classic looking club with all the same materials it's still an 8620 carbon a very nice soft carbon uh, that we've used in the previous versions um, and also the the there's still just the design language and I think the other thing that really uh, is impressive in these is how nicely it flows from your iron set to your wedges. And a, a lot of better players, there's a, there's a hard stop there, right? No, I know mean, say your nine iron or your pitch, wherever you stop yeah. and in, and then you get into your wedges. Uh, there's a couple of things that they, that uh, the design team in Carlsbad has done here. And that is we have what's called thick, thin construction. Um, and as well, they vary the hosel lengths. So it sounds a little, little, little counterintuitive for a, a wedge. Every other product that we make, you want low center gravity. But as you go up in loft in a wedge, you actually want to raise that center gravity for that real penetrating ball flight, that, that consistent wedge game that the better player appreciates. Um, so the hosel lengths are a little bit longer on a 60-degree than, say, a 46-degree wedge. Uh, we have a little bit more weight high in, in the face, that a little bit thicker construction on a 60, 58-degree than we would in the lower lofts. And so what that does is it really helps to create a nice seamless transition from that iron set uh, and then create all those the characteristics, those real good, consistent launch characteristics that the better player is looking for. Awesome. Well, James, you talked about the, the back of it. I'm, I'm also really interested in the face because this raw face technology is, is really cool. And I've, I've got it in, in my um, high toe wedges. Um, talk to us why, the, like, are, is there a performance aspect besides that it looks really cool? Well, I mean, there, there's definitely a cool effect. I mean, people on tour have been using this forever, right? Uh, the problem that you have with most raw product is that the whole the whole head goes raw. 
So if you're buying this at your pro shop or, or a retail establishment and you grab, pick up a club and it's rusted, people, people look at you <laughs> That's funny. Right. So, What's so wrong with this? Exactly. This is old. I don't want I'm this. I'm buying an old club. What I'm not buying a used club from TaylorMade. So, but all the tour, all the players on tour use it. Yeah. So, uh, we found a way to make it so only the only the face rusts. So it it created this raw face. It's an unplated, um, and and it kind of looks like it degrades over time, but it actually helps. So that raw, that sort of um, that that rusty, it has that that almost sandpaper feel to it. When you get into those wet conditions. It's not going to be exactly the same as dry, but it certainly gets you a lot closer in those of the launch characteristics. We see if you don't have raw face, you'll see as much as 50%, 60% spin loss. And what happens is the ball climbs up the face, it knuckles, it goes straight up in the air. Uh, you don't carry that bunker when you're playing in the morning when it's dewy or you're playing when it's wet. Uh, and what raw does is it really helps to to grab the ball and create more consistent launch characteristics uh, from from wet to dry, and that's that's really the performance element of it, along with looking pretty cool. It does look cool. Um, all right, before we let you go, James Dees from uh, TaylorMade, uh, I'm always asked this, and maybe Tim does as well. How often should people? Because you referenced the three or four or five years. What is a good window for? Two questions. How often should somebody uh, get new irons? And how often should uh, the more avid players uh, replace their wedges? I'd say, I mean, the the iron story, obviously, it, it totally depends on how much you play, right? So um, the avid player, though, again, is, is that four to five year window in terms of irons. Uh, and I would suggest that, that the game improvement player is probably in that, that, same, that, that same sort of window because... You may not, you know, a higher handicap player may not see the huge performance jumps from one year to another. But once you add a little bit more, I had a friend in here and his irons were, were pretty ancient. Um, and he was getting about 20 yards more and hitting the ball higher with his seven iron. Yeah, of course. So, so you're getting more forgiveness, more speed, more distance, more everything. Um, so what about uh, wedges for uh, better players that use them a lot? Yeah, so every the better year? players, uh, every year, every other probably really okay um, yeah every other um because again you're typically what you you also want that consistency you want to be comfortable looking down at it it's it's uh it's like a security blanket yeah uh, no kind of like people's putters you know uh, when, you, when you look down and you want to be comfortable with it but clearly the amount of the amount of play in practice obviously changes that as well if you have a player that grinds all the time practices three or four times a week plays 80 rounds a year yeah you're going to want to place those every year uh, but for the avid avid player who's playing a couple times a week, practices pretty regularly, every year or two uh, is probably the, a good barometer. Listen, man, so, we're sorry. Oh, go ahead, Timmy. I'm just going to say, just quickly, is it because you want to replace your wedges more fr- frequently than your irons because you want that real sharp blade yep. and that interaction with the new ball? That's where, you, that's where to use your word, it grabs, right? No. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's one of those things. Is you, really, you really want to be confident in, in understanding how far and how much that, that club is going to spin. Uh, and if it starts to degrade, you really lose that. You lose the confidence. You lose the consistency. Cool. Well, this Thanks. was great. We uh, The audio yep. was great this time. Uh, we got to hear everything. So I was going to say, Timmy and I are sorry we didn't see you on the 16th to see the 790s in person. Hopefully, we'll be uh, fitted for them next winter and be using them next summer. Thanks, James. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. All right. There's Cheers. James Dees. Yeah. TaylorMade Golf, by the way. 
You can always uh, get a hold of TaylorMade at TaylorMadeGolf.ca. Just let yourself out of the Zoom room. There he goes. Wasn't me. That's how, uh, the reason I played this song. This is uh, Shaggy. Oh, really? This is about a guy who gets uh, caught uh, banging somebody on the bathroom floor. Just fun, you know. <clears throat> oh, was it like Family Circus, who, uh, who stole the cookies? Yeah, it's just like that. <clears throat> uh, the reason I played this is because sometimes when we're playing golf, it doesn't feel like we're ourselves. Oh, yeah, well done. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and I, I alluded to that. And I, I, you know, you and I, we, we broke down your, um, your qualifier and I was kind of kidding Charles there. I have this theory recently that on the way to every, every triple bogey on the way to triple bogey, with the exception of reteeing, <laughs> on the way to everyone's triple bogeys, there's a point in there where if you stopped, you can make a double. Now, Charles described, you know, going OB, reteeing, and making a bogey with your second ball, which is a drag, right. but it's, that's a triple. Right. I didn't make any triples on Monday, but I can tell you, yeah, I was pretty excited. I had this conversation with him Monday. I think even, I even talked to you. I can't remember. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you told me you were. Yeah. I was excited, and, um, and I knew it. I, I was meditating, and I was doing everything I could, but I was pretty hyped up. Uh, the morning of the qualifier, I went through all my routines and I had my stretches and all the things. And actually on the range, I was flushing it pretty good. I, um, I, would have, I would sort of say like, yeah, my swing was on pretty much where it normally is. And I didn't feel any nerves about that. But Timmy, from the very first swing on the first hole, which I got into the fairway somehow, I was just off. I was just gripping it just a, too, too tightly. I couldn't really get... And I mean, I, was, I wasn't spraying it. I just wasn't releasing it. And then anytime I hit anything longer than an iron, you know, my hybrid, my three, but I only, I only hit two drivers on this course. It's very narrow. But I pull hooked every full swing, basically. And when I do that, um, for me, it's usually because I'm not... I'm not. I'm going to get technical, but I don't finish my backswing. Oh yeah, and I I lunge to the left side, and all you can do is flip it. And and the nice, I played with a really nice player who, after the round, both of us shot the same score. He said, "I just want to tell you something." He said, "That was a great round uh, watching you scrape it around." I said, "Thanks." He said, "But I just want you to know, like on your longer shots, you were swinging so fast." Mm. And it wasn't until the 18th green when he told me that when we were done that I had any awareness of that zero. I, I just knew that I was pull hooking every full swing. And so, I don't know. My takeaway is just that it doesn't matter how prepared you think you are, when, as you raise up in terms of tension, it's hard to access your game or your swing, I should say, in the moment. Yeah, I was doing all my breathing and all that stuff. And, and an, I, I would say this an earlier version, pre. Swing thoughts uh, version of myself. I would have shot ninety. You know, I, I I just don't react to any adversity the way I used to. I lipped out a couple. I had a hard lip out, like a full three sixty. Mm. You know, I had 
shots that I hit in the bunker. I just barely got out. And, and I was very proud of myself because that old thing about if you'd watched me that day, you'd have no idea if I was shooting 67 or 77. Because in the moment, I realized that trying to fix my swing wasn't going to lead me to where I wanted to go. And I, it's true. I stopped hitting anything. Like the, the last hole is a 520-yard par 5. I hit 4-iron, 7-iron, 8-iron. Love it. Love Because I knew that. it. I knew. Yeah, totally. I, I knew I was 5 over par. I didn't know if I was going to qualify, but I knew I wasn't going to hit driver into the trees. Yeah, four great. iron, seven iron, and a bad seven iron, by the way. Four iron, pull hooked, seven iron. Dude, from the fairway, I pull hooked to seven iron, got lucky almost into the trees. So I guess the takeaway is that, uh, I don't know. In the moment, I realized that trying to fix my swing wasn't going to be the, the solution. Absolutely, but so many cool things there. Um what I like about and what I've learned with you with um, talking about decade is like, were you like aiming like right of right because you knew that you were you were pull hook and everything? Well, I, I think technically I started aiming even too far right, but I, I was it. aiming yes. pretty far right. Yeah, yeah um, totally. You know, it's a it's a course. If you want to go look at it, Swing Thought nerds, it's called Silver Lakes. And it's in Newmarket, and I've qualified now three times there. Once for the Mid-Am and twice for Senior. And uh, anyone that's familiar with the course that's listening knows it's legendarily very, very difficult and very, very narrow. And the reason I went there is because I knew, as I said to you before the show, I know it's a tough course. I know you don't need to shoot 71 in, in any of these qualifiers, you know. Yours was a very different one. When you qualified at Sagin, there were more low scores there yep. than I'm used to seeing in a qualifier. Uh, for perspective, like I qualified for the Mid-Am at this golf course shooting 75 or 76, and I was like kind of where I was, tied for fourth or fifth. So I find the, I, I've always done this. I find the hardest course that you can qualify at, and I go there. That's, that's that's pretty strategic. I like it. <laughs> I would recommend it to anyone because if no, you want really cause on a, on a because as Charles said, the hardest thing to do is qualify, and because as I said, you only have one chance. So if you're only going to have one chance, knowing everyone's going to shoot a higher score, then find the hardest course you can go to because everyone's higher score now. Um, you know what's that? It, it'll, the, it, the rising tide floats everyone to the top, mm-hmm. and so there was a seventy-four at my at my place, uh, one seventy-five, two seventy-sixes, and me, and I bogeyed two of the last four holes to shoot seventy-seven. So I sort of settled down on the back nine. I was even par, and then I quick hooked a couple of shots and made bogeys, and uh, and uh, it was so funny, man. Like. I hit some shots that day, Timmy, that I'm like, what is happening to me? I totally get it. Totally. How can this be me? Because I've played five or six tournaments this year, not just club tournaments, away tournaments. and But, you know, I wanted it so bad yep. that it uh, screwed me over a little bit. Yeah, but you didn't. What's interesting, and Charles alluded to this, like you didn't do anything wrong. You're, you know, as I say to many times, it's like, thank you for confirming your humanity. I mean, you've had a, an amazing summer. Your game is is moved to another level. You know, decade, the stuff we've been talking about for six years, 
your game is at a different level. So quite naturally, you're going to have some different expectations moving in. You can't help it. That's just the way our minds work. So, But it's also the hard thing, too, is that our bodies react in different ways in different in, in different areas. So, I mean, I have the same, I've, as we've talked about, I've been competing a lot this summer and I've had some amazing range sessions, maybe hit an okay drive. I actually find the drivers, one of the, <laughs> maybe it's a Sim 2 or whatever. I find it's like one of the easier clubs in the bag to hit, but irons, you know, I've had a great range session and then just kind of skull my first <laughs> shot or something yeah. like that. And it's like, and, and I like, what's happening? Well, there's an extra level of tightness that my body is not just used to. Yeah. It's this thing I've used this analogy many times before. Let's say you get a PGA tour player who's won a couple of, you know, a John Deere, a Milwaukee or whatever. And he finds himself, you know, in the lead at, on the back nine on Sunday. And he just pukes all over himself because mm-hmm. he's not used to it. Our bodies just, and our minds just, they react in different ways to, to how they perceive what's going on. And intellectually, you can say, oh, I'm going to do this breathing thing. I'm going to do all of this. But until you are in the fire and you have the experience, it's just something you just got to go through. So you're fortunate that, I mean, again, your strategy worked very nicely. You shot a 77, you advanced. Uh, for other players, it, it, well, it's always just, you know, what's the learning we get? from this stuff and so that experience of going through something next time you go it you won't be quite as amped up well i love everything that you just said it's so true you know like i played in a tournament at oak hill a famous golf course uh five or six years ago uh, before my ascension to gsl status but i was kind of on my way i was kind of getting a little bit better in tournaments but i and i was playing pretty nicely in this two-man thing at oak hill and and um in the middle of a good round, so I was, I'm, I'm playing a tournament and I'm playing well. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, I have a seven iron from the. I mean, remember this? It made me think of what you just said about sculling your iron. I'm 162 yards from the middle of the fairway, and I fatted this seven iron. Like it was one of those ones where it was so bad it it made all of us laugh, <laughs> including me. Like every, it was me and my partner and two other really good players, and I fatted it from the middle of the fairway so bad that everyone laughed. <laughs> like it was so comical. But I and you think, well, how could a guy who's a scratch golfer hit that shot? I don't know. But in that moment, there was like an electrical current through me. Exactly. And I felt a little bit like that a lot of the round on Mon- on Tuesday. You know. I guess, yes, I'm not going to hit the decade sound, but I, uh, and another time I'll talk about having this conversation with Scott Fawcett. Um, but basically, he looked at the golf course and he said, this, this course is one of the most narrow I've ever mapped out. Like he sort of gave me a little quick tour of it. And he said, uh, so he said, dude, guys are going to, he said, guys are going to shoot a, a million. But he said, I want you to expect the following. He says, you're going to be in the trees a couple times. You might even be in the water. So expect it. And I was like, what? He goes, yeah, you're going to be in the trees at least a couple times on this golf course. And he was right. Now, I was never so bad that I couldn't advance the ball. But in a, in a, on a course where a good enough, like all the holes are in trees. So you're going. So he said, have that in your head. So when it happens, you're not like, oh, I'm in the trees. 
So I, I, I kept that in mind, and I pull hooked a... But I got, you know, here's the thing, and I want to say this too about Decade. One of the first things you learn is that winning is a matter of luck. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest with you. I had some bad luck that day. I, I had a full 360 lip out. I had a chip that hit the, uh, they were, they wouldn't, they were using. Um, oh, still the mully cup thing. Mully cup or? hit the thing. was an, literally stayed an inch out of the. So, yeah. but I also had a couple of times where my ball was heading for the trees one time, it, it literally hit 90 degrees back on, onto the fairway. And another time, it was going into the trees, missed the cart path, the, and hit a, a wet spot or a, a, a damp area and didn't go in the trees, and I was able to advance the ball. So I got lucky a couple of times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I want to say that sometimes as golfers, we don't remember those. We just remember the ones that lipped out or the ones that you know were unfortunate. But I was driving home, and I was like, Oh, yeah, I'd forgotten. I'm like, dude, you were really lucky there because that could have ended the round a couple of times. So what what I'm taking from that, too, is that how do we respond to this stuff? You know, something happens, you get the jolt of electricity through your body, then, oh, what do you do? Or like Charles, you know, you're, you're, you're... you suddenly realize this is all going to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, it's like, what the hell happened? And this is a guy who's like, he's one of the top amateurs in the country. Uh, it happens to everyone. But how do we, how do we respond? I mean, that that really is is the hard part of of this game. And um, yeah, so and, and it's like, how do we how do we get ourselves to just come back to this place where we can we can be okay? Mm-hmm. That's, that's it really is the the challenge of of the game well i want to talk to you um i'm going to schedule a a a chat with you before the before the ontario seniors because i haven't felt like i felt on tuesday since i played in 2019 i played the canadian senior am same thing for four rounds i could flush it on the on the range and I just couldn't get my golf swing to the golf course. Well, how many and golfers do you hear talk about that? I mean, it's constant. I, I understand. Um, yeah. And and it it, it and I'm going to use the word choke point. But for me, it's obvious my arousal level goes to a a place. I guess my choke point is you know the provincial national level. Mm-hmm. And. And my expectations are now even higher because two years ago on the Ontario Senior Am, I finished 22nd, and I had two triples and a quad. And I know now that if I that I won't have two triples and a quad, so you know my expectations are that I'm going to finish a high. I'm, I want to finish higher than I did two years ago. So my my talk with you is going to be: How do I get myself in a place, and what can I do? So that on those days, I'm 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 in a I'm in a situation where I can access some of that. Not all of it, obviously, but mm-hmm. at least a little bit of it, because obviously I get enough of it to get around. You know, like if we were playing on Tuesday, you and I and Charles, I would have shot even par. I would have shot one over maybe, like because I had enough golf going on that day that I could have you know negotiated it around even. But on that day, it was all I could do to shoot 77. And that's a fine score, but it's not what I want to shoot in the tournament. Oh, exactly. You know what? One thing I just quickly, I'm going to ask you if you think there's a connection here, but um, that Bryson DeChambeau, Patrick Cantlay uh, playoff 
last week. Amazing. That, yeah. w- that was amazing. And it, what I was so um, impressed by was the resilience of Patrick Cantley. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy's making like, you know, I don't know how many times Zinger. I'm, I, I get tired of Zinger. No, I'm tired of him. Ball striking Jimmy. Yeah, just oh, it just drones on and on about the same stuff all the time. But anyways, um, the Cantley, you know, how many must make putts, and he makes them. Then he's in the playoff, and he's got I think like seven irons, so not that difficult. One he fats, you know, to I think he had like a fifty, sixty foot putt, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah. And then he hooks one into the side of the hill. Yeah. I mean, this is one of the top players in the world, and. He's not flushing it every time, you know, and even Bryson, who's, you know, whatever, I'll just let it go. <laughs> in the playoff, he pops that one into the, you know, into the creek there. Still yep. makes a par. Oh, my goodness. I guess that's the point I'm making. It's, really, it's that, resilience, yeah. How resilient exactly, are you? These things can happen, and instead of freaking the F out, really top players are able to just kind of like, okay. To use your phrase, that just happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, how do I respond? Well, I, I think that I'm on the, on the right path because there were many times in that round where, you know, I, the reason I didn't shoot 87 is because at no time did I try and decipher why I was pull hooking everything. And it wasn't this nice guy I play with. It did, you know, those longer swings, you were just fast and, and quick. And I was like, wow, didn't, didn't feel it in my body. But I can tell you, I had several recovery shots, and in the decade world, recovery shots are accountable, where I hit really good recovery shots. Like, on the 12th hole, it's a 425-yard par 4, so I had to hit driver, and I pull-hooked it. Same thing, I just missed the card path, and it came in an area. I'm 195 from the green, and I hit a 4-iron, caught enough of the golf ball, landed, you know, one of those ones that lands short of the green, and just luckily didn't go over. It went pin high, 25 feet. And I'm like, that's a good shot. <laughs> that would have been a good shot with a seven iron. Exactly. But you know what I mean? I got lucky because it could have gone anywhere. The luck part of it is huge. And people just don't realize that. That I think that's part of the – I'm sorry if I'm interjecting. But, no, I, I, um, there, there's you talk now. No, but the – you reference our, you know, the patron St. George Newton of Canadian golf, yeah. give up control to gain control. And when you do that, you know, like somebody, you can hit a, what do you think is an awesome, I had a great shot yesterday on number eight. I couldn't believe it. I just Top like, hole. Hate that sweet. hole. Sweet. Oh man. It was like everything was just drawing softly. It was so solid. Boop. In the bunker. Yeah. Really? <laughs> and I get up there like, oh yeah, there's more wind than I thought. Well, it happens for gosh. Yeah. Again, get lucky, sometimes not lucky. And, and, but if we can just kind of roll with it and, but not live and die yep. with everything, then we give ourselves a chance. And, and that's kind of like that, you know, if there's anything I can say to anybody, it's like, lighten up. I, and I agree. And, you know, it's funny because, again, an, an earlier version of me would, no, I, I would not have accepted that. See, I, here's the thing. I accepted that I was pull hooking everything. Like everything. Like, and, and I also, like, I, like I, I had a hard lip out on the eighth hole, par five. I had a 12-foot putt that, you know, and, and it's, it's funny because my score, the last four rounds I've played have been exactly like the rounds prior to them, except I, I've literally been melting the ball over the hole. I've had more sort of soft lip outs or balls that look like they were going in. 
it's the ebb and flow of a summer of golf, right? So Absolutely. I shot uh, 73, 75, 76, and 79, not outside of this tournament. I shot 79 on Wednesday. I hit 12 greens. I missed five putts inside of five feet. I was a little tired. I don't think I was concentrating. My point is, I didn't get mad at myself because I'm like, you know what, dude? Those are putts statistically i'm sinking most of the time so that would have been a typical 73 74 my point is in the tournament and in rounds of significance now i spend all my energy whatever that is tension all my energy on advancing the ball to the next place and then going from there so on the back nine i parred i parred i kept going and all of a sudden I made a bad bogey from the middle, four iron off a par four, but it was a short hole. So I had a gap wedge in my hand and I missed the green and made a bogey. And we had like a 10 minute wait on the next tee. Mm. And I wasn't mad, but I was like, dude, you got three holes to go here. You know, let's just get this thing to the house. Well, I'm five over par at this point. I don't know what the qualifying number is going to be, but I know anything in the 70s will give me a chance. And I hit (laughs) it. This. I had another par four, so I have to hit driver, but I choked it down like I was honestly not quite to the metal, but close. <laughs> like, I hit a 230-yard drive in the fairway, and I was like, whew. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally <laughs> get that. Just like yeah. so, like, whew, God, that was great. Um, I'm alive still. I'm alive. And then just parred in and shot that number. But like I said, the last hole, I hit four iron, uh, duck hooked seven iron, and an eight iron. Duck hooks. I did. I duck hooked a seven iron. <laughs> anyway, you know, just briefly, but I love what you're talking about. And it's such a great reminder that the object of golf is to send the ball out there. Yes. And I just think that's a great, great reminder for people is that we tend to get so ball bound and, you know, internal, well, I'm doing this. I'm not doing this thing with my shoulder I'm supposed to do or <laughs> that's w- right. whatever. No, just. Just send the ball there, and all your instincts will—you know—your instincts will kick in, and 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 your body will go. Okay, we we know how to do this. We'll we'll move this ball to there. Yeah, I love that. And and one of the things, you know, I'm again not to be technical, but one of the things that I've identified with my friend Sean Casey, which is the only time I ever look at my swing on video and spin like three times over the course of this summer. But when I get nervous, my head stays down so long that it's hard for my body to release oh, yeah. the club, right? And and we and Sean and I looked at this, and it's like, it's just, you use that word, I get ball-bound. Now, in everyday regular play, not as much, but that day, because I guess that fight-or-flight mechanism Survival, in golf, man, hit this. Make hit sure this. I hit the ball. Exactly. But the problem is, by making sure I'm staying down so long, I just, I just flip-hook everything. So yesterday I went and uh, practiced a little bit, and I just practiced that. I practiced doing the Annika Sorenstam or David Duvall release, where I'm li- or or Henrik Stenson, where I'm trying. I pick out a spot in front of me, and I say, "Okay, I want to see the ball." Then, because in order to do that, you need to lift your head, and what that does then is it rotates your body. Can I just not to be too stick? It's not lift your head, but allow your head to rotate. Yeah, I'm sorry. So you can to, see. to let yeah. your eyes follow the ball. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And we are all guilty of it, whether you're, you know, a scratch or a 15 handicap, where we are, and I love that term, we're bound by the ball because of survival. Exactly. And we Let think, me, dear God, hit yes, this thing. <laughs> because we think if we're not looking at it 
forever, then we're going to miss it. And I hit about 10 shots yesterday where it seemed like I didn't see the ball at all. And it just, it just lets your body release. And yeah, I'll tell exactly. you, the last thing I'm going to say today is, you know, again, thanks to you, like, that was a real revelation for me when he told me how fast he thought my swing was with my longer clubs. I mm-hmm. thought, you know, that is a great takeaway, an O'Connor takeaway. <clears throat> Excuse me, that I was so unaware of my body, so out of touch with my physical self that day. Again, I, I, I strategize, because I've said this all summer, my skill set wasn't there at all. But my strategy and my scoring was, you know, yeah. I was getting it up and down I, a couple of times. I two putt. I didn't have any three putts that day. I didn't have any two chips. I had no penalty shots. I, you know, I mean, I was a pretty clean card that way. So my skills definitely were not that thing that got me through it. It was all the other things. But I'll tell you, Timmy, it was a real revelation to be that unaware of my physical self, even at this point in the, in the year, you know? Yeah, well, that's the thing that holds us back is those things in our blind spots. You know, whether it's in your golf or in your life, it's just things until someone points them out sometime or as we're complaining about somebody and go, oh, wait a sec, I do that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> those are the things. Uh, those are the things that really, that's why it's so good to get coaching and, and to have people who can, who you can um, level with and talk about what's really going on in, in your life and in your golf and, and they say, well, yeah, you have this tendency. And I do. Oh my God, really? Well, that's what I want to talk to you about. Maybe I've, I've got a couple ideas about strategies uh, in the actual tournament. Um, and I, and that, those are the kind of things I just want to kind of say, well, here's a couple of ideas of things I think I could do. What do you think? And uh, maybe we can talk about it on the next show. Uh, thanks to Charlie Fitzsimmons, a uh, 600th ranked player on planet Earth. Um, and, so cool. Uh, Canadian yeah. mid-am champ. That is so cool. Well, and he didn't tell the story of the Ontario Am or the Canadian Am where he, you know, where he had a really bad last round. His back seized up. He was mm-hmm. leading, leading the tournament and then just had a terrible final day. But because... And I wrote this down. In every golf season, as in every you know season of our lives, there's ebbs and flows. You know, like, and I've said this a million times. How you can't expect to have your best day every day you go play. It's just un. It's un. It's unnatural. You know. Yeah. It's, so maybe that's sorry. <laughs> maybe that's what happened to DNF guy. So uh, I put yeah. my blog. My blog came out today, Friday, the September third. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to read it, but I love the uh, subject matter. <laughs> But I love the headline that my I have an assistant helps me with it. She just goes DNF guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the same thing made it happen to him that day. It's just like, just golf happens. It's the chaos. Some and uh, boy, we got to roll with it, man. That's, yeah. that's that's the thing is roll is is not getting to that place of where I'm going to die here. Because <laughs> you won't. And conversely, I think it's important. I mean, I do this, but I think it's important to support each other. Yeah. I try and do this. When somebody has a nice round, like I, I know this guy, a, I'm going to be playing with him today. Really nice man. Tom Olazinski is his name. And he had his lowest round of the summer. Oh, yeah, Tommy. Tommy O had his lowest round of the summer on Wednesday. You know, on a day that I struggled, he shot 72. So I sent him a note. I said, hey, man, great round Lovely. today. 
I said, golf's tough. And it was a tough day, too. It was a windy day at our course. And, you know, first time we've had a, a, that kind of wind in a while. And I said, listen, man, I know it's been frustrating for you this season, but good on you. You know, like, way to hang in there mm. and, you know, shoot your nice score. And, and he wrote back and said, hey, I really appreciate that. And I said, well, I like, it. I like that feeling amongst golfers where we all recognize how fucking tough this is to do, you know. And when one of us breaks through and has a nice round, I think it's like, we should all go, hey, good, good. One of the tribe, <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. one of the tribe prevailed today. You know, and that's such a, just real quick, that's such a, um, a awesome thing to do is just send someone a note. You know, hey, nice to see you. Wow. Nice to see you do well. Or conversely, didn't have your best game. Let's do it again sometime. Yeah. It's a lost art sending notes to people. Well, I did that with one of our friends of the show, Mike Bondi. You know, he, he goes there to the qualifier and he's been playing awesome. You know, Mike's been shooting some good low scores. And he was yeah. my, uh, in the Senior Rider Cup a couple of weeks ago, he's my partner. I played with him. And I, so I've seen it up close. He's hitting it great. And he has a hole in one in the qualifier. And still doesn't qualify. Misses it by one. Ouch. Yeah. Oh. So I send I'll him, send him a note. There I you go. send him a note saying, hey, tough going out there today, bud. But yeah. uh, nice hole in one. And, you know, I think missing it by one is worse than missing it by five. Um, as yes. you would uh, be able to attest. <laughs> yes. Did you even get us? Did you miss it by one? Was there any? Was there anyone at your number that got to an alternate or did you get to an alternate? Um. Uh, no, I think two, I can't remember exactly, but I think two did get to an alternate, but I can't remember whether it was at 78 or 79. Well, I know Mike shot uh, one out of the, uh, there were six guys at 81. Two of them got to alternate. One of them got in through retrogression, which... It's retrogression, yeah. I, exactly. I don't even think I understand at this point. Because I looked at their scores and I couldn't figure out, is it the back nine? Is it the last hole? Is it the front nine? Is it how many vowels are in their name? I, I have no idea. Yeah, the vowel the vowel consonant balance. Yeah. Thanks to uh, JWApparelInc.com, Charles Fitzsimmons at Eclipse Golf. Charles Fitzsimmons at Eclipse uh, Golf. Look him up. And, of course, TaylorMade Golf and James D's talking about his new uh, our new 790s. And the milled grind wedges, O'ConnorGolf.ca. The uh, blog is there now. You can check it out. It's about a uh, somebody that Tim was playing with that decided that golf was too t- too tough that day, <laughs> and we can all relate. And make sure you check out the Humble and Fred oh, show. Thank you. Mondays. Huh? Is it, are you guys Monday through Friday now? Uh, now Monday that we're going to go back. In, okay, but what about in September? Never. No, we're never working Fridays again. Fridays is, is oh. you know what? Fridays is our day. <laughs> You've earned it. You have. Okay. Uh, Tim O'Connor, always good to be with you. And, of course, check out, as he says, humbleandfredradio.com. See you next week.